Welcome to the Underline Podcast. Underline seeks to embolden and equip those who have been called to a life of service. We strive to create a community where iron can sharpen iron, and believers will boldly live out their faith as lions. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us here on the ETL Podcast. Uh, we have the pleasure of speaking with our dear friend, Jim Bontrager, tonight. Uh, he's been a great mentor to Josh and myself. Uh, he's done several things with ETL so far, including some great classes and some webinars. If, if you haven't gotten a chance to hear those or you weren't a part of those, just to remind you of who Jim is. Uh, he's a senior chaplain with Elkhart, Indiana Police Department and founder of the Warrior on the Wall Ministries. He's just an awesome individual, somebody who's constantly putting the Lord first. Another thing that helps him out is he's a Marine, so I have a huge uh, bias toward him. <laughs> but I just want to say, Jim, thanks for, for joining us here tonight and talking uh, transitions. It's a joy to see you guys. Speaking of transitions, I'm no longer senior chaplain. And oh. speaking of transitions, uh, God's transitioned me, so this is an exciting topic. Hey, I'm glad. I'm glad because it's just something that the Lord's put on my heart, thinking about some junior Marines of mine that i gotten out. would like to jump right into it, if you don't mind, with the first question I'd like to present just to, what are the biggest temptations or lies that the enemy attempts to make us believe about transitions? Well, I think the big thing is that they're bad. You know, seriously, if you think about it, you started out as a Christian with the transition. You know, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 said this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. I mean, transition was the birth of your Christianity, and transitions the way that God you know, we with unveiled faces, Second Corinthians three seventeen, I think it is. We with unveiled faces are being conformed to the Lord's likeness, every increasing glory. There's a, you know, we're in a we're in a metamorphosis state here, becoming Christ-like on a regular basis. So, you know, I just think the big thing gets to be for all of us is uh, just it's some kind of bad thing when the reality gets to be is uh, everywhere I read in the Bible, that's the way it works, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's true. Like you can see it throughout the Bible, right? Like and there are a couple different uh, passages and that come to mind for me, but I guess when you say transitions are bad, like what are some things? Cause I know in my personal life, I think of like doubt, like uncertainty, like, is this thing going to be worse than before? Whether it be professional or personal, what are some things that, that you've maybe experienced yourself in this transition time or that you've seen kind of throughout your, your life? What's the most prominent? You know, I think, you know, I was thinking about what we we're going to talk about tonight and I got thinking about, that first thing I said there about Second Corinthians five seventeen, you know, I, I think I think if we get that one wrong, that's the beginning of a whole roller coaster. Of that you know, my experience is is transitions are really you know we, we got a sovereign God who made us a number of promises. You know, He said number one, my ways are not your ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above your ways, and my thoughts above your thoughts. In Isaiah fifty five, you know, well if that's true, man, I got news for you. I, I don't have it all figured out. And the hard thing about transitions gets to be when I try to figure out what all God should or shouldn't be doing. And once he pulls the rug out from underneath me, then, you know, that messed me up. You know, why would we have Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 when it says, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. Once again, you know, I, I'm not going to know where he's taking me. I think of Psalm 37, verse 23, it says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. How can he then understand his own way or he delights in his way? Those are all verses that say, God's going to take you on a journey. And, and, and I think if I don't get that first transition right as far as totally uh, lordship and surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ and to learn to wholeheartedly trust him, then transition is going to be brutal for every one of us. You know? And so 
they can be full of fear. The big thing gets to be, you know, I look at where we're at right now as a country, to be honest with you, to be, uh, for a gut check for me, as I'm looking at my country and everything I've stood for, everything I believe is United States Marine, everything, you know, I, I did in law enforcement, done in law enforcement, and I look at what I'm convinced is it may be a whole different worldview coming our way as a nation that radically alters that. And I struggle like crazy saying, Lord, where are you? You know, and so this whole thing made me go back and redouble my efforts to remember, number one, God's sovereignty sits on the throne. This whole this whole show, his show, not our show. And number two, because he loves me and because he put me here on the earth in this time in history and because I'm his man to do whatever he has for me to do, that it's going to a good place to impact eternity, which is my ultimate goal and desire, you know. I couldn't agree with you more, especially in regards to that first transition you talked about, which is something I didn't even think about. So I appreciate you bringing that up. But looking at that, like even with COVID, right, the presidential election, whatever kind of big transition that you can see for this country, that truth, right, God's sovereignty is something we can always go back to. Now, in relation to that first transition you talked about, right, the most important one when you transition and you accept the Lord into your life, what are some things that we can do, uh, whether it be somebody who's helping somebody else come to the Lord or for those new believers out there, what are some things that they can do to make sure that transition is a good one? Well, I, I think, first of all, you know, we're getting sloppy with our Christianity a lot of times, you know. You know, I love law enforcement and their example, you know. You know, when I go as a cop into a domestic situation or something else, when I go into it, the people that I'm going to address the problem don't get to tell me how to do the job, Okay. You know, I have authority over the situation and I'll be telling them what's going on and they'll be answering questions. And, and, and the most honest thing they can do is come clean, you know, come totally clean and, and accept the authority that I have in that situation at the time, the duly appointed authority, and then we can start to get something done. And so I think I think a lot of times we're in a, you know, a feel good time where we just think that I can have Christ and my sin or I can have Christ and everything else when the reality gets to be as God says, you know what, you surrender. You know, you absolutely have to come to the realization. Jim had to realize as the United States Marine and everything else, I was a womanizing, drunk, violent, nut job, out of control, stupid person. And, and God couldn't coexist with me. And that the only way I could sincerely have any hope at all is to, number one, be honest about my sin. Number two, turn around and let him come and, and make the payment for it in exchange for this, that he gets ownership of my life. And that he gets to call the shots from then on. Now, the problem gets to be is we try to renege on that whole contract and try to take ownership back. And we try to think that we're going to know how God's going to do it. And, and, and the only way that you can really, you know, help someone to make that transition and to have a peace about it is surrender and to discover who God is and the fact that he loves me and that I can trust him with my life. And he's not going to wreck it. And he's going to take out there and he able to do immeasurably more than he can, I can ask or imagine according to his power's work within us. I mean, God, God has a vision for Jim Bontrager's life and make my vision look like a joke, you know? And, and I'm looking at age 60 back on this. And I swear, I did understand all the transitions in my life. I wouldn't ever guessed at all, you know? I wouldn't ever guess when my little kids die in my arms how God could redeem that, you know? I would never guess how my parents went through an ugly divorce and how God could redeem it. I could never guess how God could take me as a hopeless, helpless person and, and use me to do, do crazy things, you know? And I'm looking at how he's doing stuff right now, and he's been good to me. And so, you know, part of it gets to be is to remind yourself, you know, that you can taste and see the Lord's good. I think the second thing you got to look at is, realize that, you know, there's two Bible verses that mean a lot to me, and I've shared it with you guys, is, uh, you know, Hebrews, um, I believe it's 3.8 there, you know, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, 
and, or 13, eight, I believe it is. And, and then the second one is Acts 10, 34 and 35. And it says, uh, Peter said, I now see that God's no respecter persons, that he accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what's right. Well, if those things are true, that number one, God hasn't changed in history. And number two, he deals consistently with mankind. They're not his pet projects. Then I can go back and study people's lives and I can look at what he did in their lives. You know, I can look at transitions. I'd like to be Abraham. You know, you're having a good time. Take your kid and go sacrifice him in a place I'm going to show you. I'm not going to tell you where you're going. I'm just going to tell you this. You go sacrifice your kid there. How's that for a transition? The, the promised kid that you were waiting on your whole life. You know, I, I can look at Moses. Moses having a good time being Pharaoh's, uh, you know, adopted grandson or something. And then all of a sudden he goes out and kills a, kills a Egyptian and buries him in the sand. And next thing you know, he's out in the desert, man. He's out there hurting out there in the middle of the desert. You know, I can look at David. He's anointed king. And next thing you know, he's getting chased around, getting spears thrown at him, trying to take him out. And he has to live out in the desert. You know, I can look at Joseph. You want to talk about transition, being a favored son. Next thing you know, you're a slave, you know. And, and when you look at those things, man, you just look what they did. If you look what they did, there's, you know, they trusted God implicitly, you know. And I think there's some principles we can learn for their lives, you know. David is one of the first ones that came to mind, my mind as well. Uh, I think mostly because we've been, we've done a few studies of David and We've talked about, it, obviously, Jim, as you've, you've led us in Bible studies and stuff throughout the webinars and all. I think the, that goes to like trusting that God has never changed, right? And he's, he's been constant. That kind of answers another question. The transitions are bad, right? There's doubt and there's uncertainty, right? Uncertainty comes from not knowing the outcome of a transition. But I think there's another one that, that comes and it, it comes to the surface when people realize or they're not really sure when to make a transition, right? They're not sure, is this in God's plan? for me or not, right? And I think that that's another thing that people struggle with in regards to uncertainty and transitions. Like you said, like relying on God, but is there something that you've, you've found where it's like either going to the Lord or going to your friends? Like what would you suggest people do to identify when those transitions should be made? Sure. I'll never forget, uh, you know, I dropped out of school and made a kind of a big mess of my life. And I was in construction for 17 years, never really liked it. I was a people person and I love teaching and all kinds of stuff, you know, and I had those long years of God developing my character. And then one day somebody offered me a chance to totally do something totally different, you know, and I did that totally different for a while. And then I suddenly it was time to quit that, you know, and to go full-time ministry. Well, that was scary stuff. But, you know, one of the things I find is number one, if you're married, God gave you a gift called a wife and he's not going to, he's not going to send you somewhere. She's not going to be a check and the whole thing. I mean, I'm telling you right now, my wife is uh you know, God uses her in a mighty way to be the wind in my sails a lot. You know, I think the second thing gets to be is I got a lot of mentors. I realize that I need to be accountable because at the end of the day, man, you know, I, I'm not any better than the people who have gone before me and I'll wreck my whole life if I'm not careful. You know, I'm a loot. I got a pin half out of the grenade that could go into stupid, you know, and I can be the next media sensation in law enforcement. You know, there's a lot of opportunities I have here. And so if I know what I'm truly made out of, you know, the Bible says in first Corinthians chapter 10, be careful of you standing firm lest you fall. So I have mentors in my life, and God speaks in stereo. You know, the cool thing about it is he doesn't speak in confusion. He speaks in peace. And one of the things I've seen is, number one, when my wife's on board, number two, when I have a sense of the peace of God, but then I also have a testing mechanism, and that's going to the mentors I have in my life, and I bounce it by them, and they all speak together in unison, saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. And for me, I find it to be really valuable over the years is just having people that are mature believers. I trust their judgment. They've been a part of my life and they have a way of imparting wisdom and they all speak the same thing because they're being led to the spirit of God. 
I love that, Jim. I think my wife and I are working through a transition phase as well and just have kind of been going through this phase for several months. And, you know, on top of all those things you said, I feel like one of the other things that the Lord has done for us is asked us the specific question of who do you say that I am? And when he asked his disciples that question, I think that's a question that every Christian has to answer at some point, especially when it comes to transitions, because like Billy's talking about the unknown and not sure what this is going to look like and how this is going to work out. And like the examples you mentioned, Jim, well, how how can you redeem losing a child? How can you redeem, you know, a, a messy divorce? How can you redeem getting out of the job that you loved or whatever it may be? And I think you you stand there as a Christian, you say, and, and Christ asks you, who do you say that I am? And some say teacher, some say, you know, whatever it may be. But if you're like Peter and you say, you're the Messiah, I believe that you're the sovereign God. You're the one seated on the throne. You're the king of kings. And and you have my good and, and you're working this out for my good. Then I can step into that transition with confidence, right? Sure. And I think it really is a heart check to see who is number one in your heart. Because if you don't truly believe he is the Messiah, you're going to have a hard time entering into that unknown. Well, and, 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 you know, our lives are out here. I love what Paul says. You know, Paul said in, in uh, Philippians chapter one there, he said, or one and two right in there, he just said, it's better me for to depart. I'm just torn whether I should depart from you and just like give up, go to heaven or to remain. And he said, for me to live as Christ and die is gain. But he said, it's more necessary for your sake that it remains. So you and I, when God's done with us, we're out of here because our ultimate goal is the part of the 10 out of 10 to die, man. We're the ultimate statistic. And, and, and we fall asleep in Christ and wake up to eternity. And it's like, yeah, baby, we're here, you know? And so my reason to be here on earth is there's some kind of mission I have to fulfill with other people. And I think, you know, when you always look at it, you know, I end this for the cause and for the be spent and the way that God wants to spend me. You know, I look at Paul once again in his missionary journeys and how he's drug or compelled by the spirit. He thought there was a good way to go. He'd go up there and suddenly there's a man of Macedonia or telling him to go this way, or he was prohibited from some going someplace three or four or five times. He had plans, but God had a way of working with him to close doors so he could make the transition where he needed to go. And, you know, I think the other thing gets to be at the end of the day is when you yield yourself to God and you say, living God, I'm doing this in good faith. And if I'm not supposed to do it, you can, you can slam some doors on me. And he's able to do that. I love, uh, I think it's Psalm 119, 105, or it says, uh, uh, thy word is a lamp under my feet and a light under my path. And I just love that word picture because back then, you know, you got enough light for the next step sometimes. And so we want to know the whole journey. You know, I want to know what's on the road. He said, no, I'm giving you light for the next step. When you're faithful to take that, then I'll, I'll give you the next one, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think that's a great, I never really thought about it like that either. Cause I, kind of like the flip side of it, right? I'm being unsure of when to make that transition. There's also another temptation to be extremely self-reliant. I'm like, I don't need to check with God. I don't need to check with my mentors. I don't need to check with my friends or, anything, or my wife or anybody like that. I know it's best for me. So that's a great, yeah, I love that you said that because yeah, I don't, I only need to know what God's showing me right now and I'm going to live that to my fullest. Well, and to be faithful, think about Joseph. I, I, you know, I was thinking about this in Joseph. What are the one, two, three punches Joseph did all the time? Okay. Joseph gets in prison. Number one, he trusts God in the situation he's in. Number two, he does whatever he does with excellence, you know? You know, I did a couple of verses, you know, if you can go look up Ecclesiastes 9.10 or Colossians 3.23, and it says, whatever you find yourself to do it, do it with all your heart unto God, not as unto men. All those guys, it didn't matter what, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, you can look at Daniel. Uh, here they are in captivity, and they're in captivity, and they resolve to be excellent in what they do, and their excellence lifts them to the top of the food chain. You know, Joseph does whatever he does with an excellence and puts his whole heart into it. He goes to the top of the food chain. 
you know, David does goes out there and tries to do his best to honor God and to honor authority, do all that stuff, and he ends up at the top of the food chain. The transitions in the wilderness experiences in, as Christians, those are the things that forge us. And, and somebody once told me that God builds the man before he builds the ministry. So a lot of times you'll find, you know, transitions are God's tool to help you to trust. Because if you're in control and you know it all, then like you said, I don't have to see God. But if he, he gets me to a point where I stepped out in ministry, and, and, and just to share a quick story with you, know, I was like, Lord, is this time to go out to ministry? This is crazy. I got to live every week. But I, I felt for me personally, conviction-wise, I wasn't going to ask for any money. I, I thought, I can't ask for money because if you're in this, then it's going to be a sign to me you're going to make provision. So I prayed and prayed and prayed. I got down to the Saturday that I had to make a decision because I had to survive. One o'clock, I had an appointment. And at one o'clock, I was supposed to go out and see about getting a job with somebody else. And I said, Lord, if you're going to show up, you know, we're running out of time. Nine or 10 o'clock that morning, I get a call. On the phone is some dear friends. And out of left field, that my wife and I have been praying, and we feel like we're supposed to give you uh, 10,000 bucks to get started in ministry. And I started crying. I thought, wow. he's going to do this. You know, I just, I'm like, he's in it. You know, <laughs> you know but, but he'll take it 1159. You know, God doesn't have a way of, you know, Stephen, I want to encourage everybody to listen to this right now. This country ain't done yet either. And if we still believe God's 1159, you know what? He, he let Lazarus die so he could go resurrect him. You know, you never know what's going to happen with this country. This might be resurrection, just getting ready to pop forth if the believers want to stay in the fight. I think that's very true. That's definitely something I've, I've thought to myself, like, man, this is, things look pretty bad, but things have always been worse. And it doesn't really matter, even if they do get worse, right? The worst time in our nation's history, God is still, you know, all powerful. Well, I, just, he, he I want to encourage you guys. Can I, can I give you a tip here as a young guy? Of course. I read the last chapter. We win. <laughs> Jim, you've, I've started saying that to people now because of you. Well, well, I'm just telling you, right? we win, man. So it's a celebration. I guarantee it. I, I hate to give a spoiler alert, okay? But at the end of the day, he said you can start celebrating, okay? It's a big slam dunk, crazy victorious thing, you know? And if you get a chance to be at the finish line, man, I got news for you. It's going it's to be worth it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so. And I, Jim, it was you said it last week when I was on the phone with you, just – Christ does some of his most magnificent work in the midst of chaos. I mean, look at Jesus Christ's death on the cross as the, you know, penultimate example, but just all, all the stories that you've mentioned, you know, God's grace and his power shine in the midst of chaos, in the midst of tragedy, Absolutely. in the midst of craziness. Well, give me one Bible story that did. Yeah. I mean, serious. you can't show me, you think anybody of those people we talked about, you know, I mean, who, show me someone who, when it was easy, there was, you know, cakewalkers. I mean, all the great stories were God had to show up because this didn't look good, you know? You know, it reminds me of evangelism, you know? And this is just a rabbit trail, but it's worth it. But when you've got a group of people and you're, whoever your most vile person is at your police department or your unit or anything else, whoever's the foulest mouth train wreck of a person, Pray that God gets a hold of them because he'll take the, he takes the worst kind of scenarios. And once he lights them up, the whole world's absolutely convinced that God showed up. You know, once your foul mouth, whatever turns around, becomes a preacher, you know, then you're out there like, wow, this God thing's real. Well, it's the same thing in our lives when we go out there in the middle of chaos, you know, it's like God shows up and then we all get more joy. We get a greater, you know, it's like, wow. (laughs) You know, I think of disciples, you think about transitions. Okay. Here you are as a fisherman. And you're out in the middle of a, a lake, and a storm gets bad enough that you're freaking out. And you look for Jesus, and he's sleeping, right? And we all know the story. He wakes up, calm storm. So they're like, wow. Well, what did Jesus do then? He took them to the Gadarene demoniac. They didn't get a, they didn't get a next day. That's the same day. 
And if you look at it, it says when evening came, he takes them out there and all of a sudden here's guys screaming in the distance, ah! all the stuff, you know, and you're like, wow, Jesus, you're not a party. I mean, you, you know, you're just talk about transitions. It's like, we almost die in a storm. Now we're going to go chase a demonic guy at sunset. And it's like, wow, thanks. It's fun hanging out with you, you know? <laughs> Sounds like an evening shift on a Friday night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. So I love, I love just talking to you, Joe, because you're just like, it's so convicting to talk to you because you're just spouting out verses from memory. Nobody else can see us right now. Like this, Jim's not reading the script. He's not yeah. looking at his Bible. I can tell he's just saying these scripture verses. And that kind of goes to, yeah, how do we prepare ourselves for transitions or to, to know when those transitions occur? It's getting in the word, right? Like it's getting. Amen. Right. Right. You know, okay. If, if you're going to have jail ministry someday, I mean, really, if you really think it's that bad, and I, I can't encourage you enough, young guys, especially, okay. Your little kids can memorize scripture. When my daughter was three, she had 30, probably 30 verses memorized, okay? And, and I'm not saying this. This is just because God, you know, I was way overdid it too because I was also a hard Marine and I, you know, I got to get tempered. I had nine kids because your children mirror your blind spots, you know? And, and, and I had so many ugly blind spots that I had need a lot of mirroring going <laughs> on there. But, you know, in it all, man, I used to, when I was younger and had sense, you know, we, had, we were memorizing a scripture a day as a family. And we had little cards. You put little cards on. You know, I'd do a full three by five, but cut them in four pieces, write the verse and go over. And I'm telling you right now, God will give you the ability to do that. And the more ammo you get inside your spiritual toolbox, man, I'll tell you what, the war will be a lot more fun with a lot of ammo. You find yourself in a dark day, God will give you a string of pearls, man. When you, you come out to a situation, all of a sudden he'll like verse, 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 and you'll get to minister to people. And then God's going to minister to you and, and, and you'll get direction because he's going to give scripture that pops in your head. And you get the word tools to work with. So I want to encourage you guys to, number one, memorize verses. Number two, get your family involved in it. And you can do that, man. Just take one with you a day and stick it up somewhere. And my son, Curtis, at age 16, I was really proud of him. He memorized the whole book of Romans. He could tell you any chapter and verse anywhere in the book of Romans, man, 16 chapters. <laughs> you know? That's wild. Bible quizzing too, That's man. Amazing. If you guys ever get anything around there, some churches have Bible quizzing. That's the best thing you ever put your kids in. I think nowadays I have a hard enough time remembering my own phone number. But that's definitely something I, <laughs> I got to well, do it. Hard. Don't get me wrong. Well, but this is why I say, man, I got a photographic memory. It's just undeveloped. So I love it. So, Jim, just one more question to kind of – so we've talked about initially identifying the transition, uh, being faithful through those transitions, how to prepare for those transitions ourselves. But how can we as fellow believers, whether it be in our personal lives, professional lives, right, law enforcement, military, first responders, how can we support our, our brothers and sisters in Christ in those times of transition? Well, I, I want to just, fit, you know, share the biggest transition is coming, okay? Because there's a big transition is coming. I think remind each other about it, all right? I'm going to put on my cheaters for this, man, because I'm getting old. It, uh, it just says this. Um, it says, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The word once more indicates removing what can be shaken, that is created things, so that what cannot be shaken remain. Therefore, since we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God's a consuming fire. There's a transition that we may be in or it's coming soon. And, and I think the things we got to do is the Bible says, let us encourage one another and all the more as you see a day approaching. You know, you're not meant to be a lone ranger, man. And I'll tell you why not. God, one of the things that God does is shake up our world enough to realize that I need my brothers. I need my brothers in my life for accountability. I need my brothers in my life to encourage each other and all the more. 
uh, we're supposed to encourage each other, and all the more as you see a day approaching, that implies to me that discouragement will rain, be raining pretty serious. And so right now, we're, I'm just telling you, it's a spiritual hard time. But when you do it with brothers, it's kind of like, you know, well, I'll use that example. But <laughs> I was almost thinking of bar fighting once upon a time. But that's uh, not yeah, probably, probably not for, for this podcast, Jim. Thanks. <laughs> no, 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 but this is serious. You know, the principle gets to be, uh, you know, when brothers stick together, a lot of good things happen. Psalm 133 talks about, for there the Lord's commanded blessing is when brothers dwell together in unity. Leviticus 26, verse uh, 8 or 9 right there, talks about five of you put 100 of light and 100 of you 10,000, you know, that, that when we stick together as brothers for such a time as this, realizing that God didn't make us cowboys, didn't make us medieval knights, and we encourage each other to stay in the fight. We encourage each other as we're going through things to say, brother, hang in there, man, I'm with you. When we lean on each other and, and keep each other in the fight, man, that's, that's how we win. And we get to high five each other at the finish line and say, was that a glorious run or rock for eternity? You know? Uh, amen. Amen. Uh-huh. Jim, I gotta say, thank you so much uh, just for agreeing to come talk to us. And I could sit here and, and I intend to uh, give you a call next week and hear more about any type of thing you got to tell me. Uh, I'd love to hear it always, but thanks so much for joining us tonight and talking about transitions and how we can kind of prepare, not just in our own personal lives, but, how it can minister to others. Okay. Well, can, can I say a prayer for everybody listening? Please. Lord, I just thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. And uh, these brothers I love dearly and I pray a blessing on them. And uh, I pray whoever's listening to this, Lord, uh, you give us all the grace to keep our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. You said, who for the joy before us, uh, you know, endured the cross. And God, you said he who began a good works, faithful, completed. Your faithfulness is our shield and our rampart. I think if there's no height or depth or angels or demons or nothing else in all creation is able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I think you said we can boldly approach the throne of grace to receive grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. You said in Psalm 50 verse 15 to call me in the day of trouble and I'll deliver you and you honor me. And so, God, uh, give us the grace to, to hang on for the ride. Give us the grace to finish well. You said to keep yourself in the love of God, that that agape love, something we got to keep ourselves in. And, God, I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your grace. I pray great encouragement upon whoever's listening to this, that, God, they would realize that if God is for them, who can be against them? If there's no height or depth or angels or demons or nothing else in all creation, it doesn't matter what's coming our way. Lord, you said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, that you seated us in the heavenly realms, with Christ. And then in chapter one, you said far above all principalities and powers and every name that's given, not only in this age, the age to come. And God help us to take our rightful place with you, triumphant over the stuff under our feet, expecting you to show up and our time on earth counting. And I just thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, Jim, there's few people that encourage me like you do to, to want to take the hill. So I feel refreshed and, and encouraged. And you guys Got to check out our YouTube channel for those who are listening because Jim did a, a full seven-part series, seven hours of Jim teaching his awesome class in Sun Tzu and the Art of Warrior Resiliency. And Jim, I know you had a few other videos you've done recently for a couple other platforms. Would you mind just sharing those so uh, our listeners could go check some of your other material out? Yeah, you can go to lobster.com. Just type lobster.com, comment Jim Bontrager. There's three or four videos there and uh, the just little five-minute things that hopefully be an encouragement and uh one of these days, maybe we can go through uh, the study of David together. It'd be fun, man. That's uh, There's a man after my own heart there big time. And uh, I'll tell you what, man. And so I love you guys dearly, man. Appreciate you, man. Keep taking the hill. I read the last chapter. Like I said, we win. It's a slam dunk shutout worthy of every bit of your celebration you can imagine. So, hey, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us at 10th Line Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you want to find out more about what we're doing, you can find us on social media. Join us on our website, enterline.co. Again, that's enterline.co.